Al Jazeera podcast. After 70 days of Israel's war on Gaza, even headlines like these fail to capture the devastation. Witnesses say a number of people, including women, children, and babies, were killed execution-style by Israeli forces. Dozens of families waded through floodwaters as they fled a UN-run school in the Jabalia refugee camp after it was hit by Israeli shelling. Bodies of a number of displaced Palestinians are seen piled up inside the Shadia Abu Ghazala school. On the other side of Gaza's fence, Jewish Israelis are marking the end of Hanukkah. It's the first major holiday since the October 7th attacks. People are celebrating with family and friends, as well as grieving their losses. And they're discussing a war that's now into its third month and escalating in new ways. While some are confronting their own society. I keep protesting because I want them to know they will not manage to silence me. So among Israelis, how much support does the war have? Who is voicing outrage? And what are the consequences? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. This episode started when an Israeli woman named Gaia reached out to us. It's like we're living in a completely different country. A person who supports the war can go to work and say that he wants to kill the people of Gaza and can say racial slurs against Palestinians freely, pretty much. But, um, but I can't stand with a sign against the war. Gaia lives in the city of Haifa, and she first got in touch with Amy Walters, one of our senior producers. It was a few weeks ago, and I got a message. I didn't know who it was from, uh, but she was saying she got in contact with me because of another source I had who was refusing to serve in the Israeli military after October 7th. And when she first reached out to me, I, I wasn't really sure what she was going to say, but it sounded like she had a story and it was something that she really wanted to get out. They talked for a while, but it was hard for Gaia to find a safe space to do a longer interview. So we came up with another solution. Hi, Gaia. My name is Malika Bilal. I'm the host of The Take. Um, and we really appreciate you doing this interview with us via voice notes. We appreciate you talking to us. Could you introduce yourself to us? My name is Gaia Dan. I'm 23 years old from the city of Haifa. I was born and raised here. I'm an activist in the anti-occupation bloc. Meaning Gaia is against the Israeli occupation of Palestinian territory. She's a member of a political party called Hadash. It's a party that supports um, collaboration of Jews and Palestinians um, against the occupation for democracy and equality for all. We're speaking through voice memos, partly because you've said it's hard for you to find a safe place to talk. Can you tell me more about that? 
about that. That's a, that's a bit uh, complicated because I had to I had to move in with my father, and um, I'm trying to separate my activities with with my family because I don't want that I don't want that to hurt them. Just because that I know that anything that I can do can bring them harm. The police can come raid this house or my mother's house or my brother's house and I don't I don't want that for them. She also doesn't want them to be angry with her or worse. I don't want them to 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 hate me for what they do. I don't want them to see me as a traitor. Um as, as, as like as many people here in Israel um, see me as a traitor. I don't want that. Gaia's activism against the occupation was always far from popular in Israeli society. But since October 7th, things have gotten more sensitive than ever, she says. Sometimes I, I, I'm considered a radical, a terrorist, a sympathizer, a traitor, and uh, I want to, to keep a distance from my political activities and my family, for their sake and for my sake. See, Gaia's been arrested. You first reached out because you wanted to share your story. It was the story of what happened to you after a protest in the city of Haifa in October, where you were knocked on the pavement, dragged, and shouted at by Israeli police. What do you remember most about that day? This protest was different from other protests because it was far more violent. I've been arrested before. I've been beaten up before by, by police officers, but but nothing like that. One of the police officers that that, that pushed me to the ground uh, was a, was an older police officer. Um, I won't say his name, um, but I know his name because we already knew each other. Um, he already knows me. While I was being on the on the floor on the on the pavement and I was being dragged to, to, towards the the police car, he he uh, lifted me to my legs and pressed his body against me and then he whispered um, to my ear, uh, "Do you remember me? Uh, I was waiting for you." And. Um, of course, I remember him. How can I not remember him? He've been, he, he was violent towards me and my friends so many times in the past. I remember just being on the pavement, hopeless. Um, people are screaming and all around me. The police, the police officers around me, uh, while they kept pushing me to the pavement. They also um, told me to get up from the from the pavement, but I couldn't because I was being pushed down. So I remember the violence, the chaos all around me. Another thing that I don't think that I'll ever be able to forget is that 
we were waiting for the interrogation and uh, the cops that that were there to to guard us they 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 sang songs about destroying Gaza and about killing the people of Gaza and I don't think I don't think I'll ever be able to forget that Israel's war in Gaza has killed some 19,000 Palestinians, including thousands of children. And as of today, Friday, December 15th, the Israeli army has reported 115 soldiers killed. There's no end to the violence in sight. I will be arrested again. I just know it. It's, it's unavoidable for, for me, the violence. I'm scared for for this country. I am scared that they will raid the home that I'm currently staying at in the middle of the night or in the middle of the day, and they'll arrest me for who knows how much time. And I say that as a as a Jewish citizen. So you can only imagine the lives of the Palestinians. And in feeling that way. Gaia is mostly alone. Her thoughts and views aren't aligned with the overwhelming majority in her society. In survey after survey that we've seen over the course of the last several weeks, uh, public opinion is very broadly supporting the military and all their activities right now. There is a high amount of trust. That's been According to some polling from Tel Aviv University, most Jewish Israelis surveyed believe the Israeli military's use of firepower in Gaza is appropriate or not enough. Less than 2% believe that it's too much. Niels Adler, a freelance journalist working for Al Jazeera, got to Israel shortly after October 7th, and he told us what that support looked like. Along the motorway from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, just a few days after October 7th, there was an Israeli flag on every single lamppost. So there was a huge swell in kind of nationalist fever. And um, everyone talked about October 7th with me with a huge amount of emotion and anger. And there was a real palpable sense that something had changed dramatically, like Israeli society would never be the same again. We are facing a horrendous terrorist attack and has really no precedent I think, in our region or in the history. And this is something that changed the DNA of who we are as people here in Israel forever. The terror here has left this country forever changed. Neil saw that in Jerusalem. There, the atmosphere was very, very tense. It was still very raw, emotional feeling amongst Israelis. He saw that near the border with Lebanon. I also traveled north, so to the north of the country, to Kiryat Shmone. And there, the Israelis were very, very afraid of an incursion from Hezbollah um, across the border. So everyone in Kiryat Shmone was heavily armed. And in the south, Niels went to Eilat, a city on the Red Sea. Rebels in Yemen were firing missiles across the Red Sea towards the city. And U.S. warships were trying to take those out. Um, and Israeli military planes would scramble to shoot those down as well. So there, there was a much more of a kind of regional tension. 
And then there was Ashkelon. When he first arrived, the Israeli ground invasion hadn't started yet. I'd say every two seconds, there was a loud explosion that would be coming from Gaza. And every so often you'd hear an explosion, the Iron Dome taking out missiles above Ashkelon. Ashkelon is a city in the south, close to the Gaza Strip. On October 7th, Hamas fighters swept through the area. Israel has reported 1,147 people were killed that day. Ashkelon saw rockets fired on the city. Soon after, people there were impatient that something be done. A lot of people expressed the opinion that after October the 7th, they wanted to see Hamas rooted out of Gaza. They wanted Gaza occupied. and They wanted Palestinians gone from Gaza. Some people said they wanted Gaza gone. Some of the people Niels met there considered themselves open-minded toward Palestinians. Quite a few people from Ashkelon talked about how they had met many people from Gaza who'd come over to work in the, the farms or in various like manual jobs. Um, and perhaps they hadn't been friends, but things had been amicable. But after October the 7th, they didn't want to know them. They didn't want anyone entering from Gaza, full stop. Niels returned to Ashkelon a few weeks later, after the ground war had begun. By then, the South was full of Israeli soldiers. And Niels met a few. So they'd been serving for five days and they were allowed back into Israel and they were having a barbecue put on by locals and there was a bit of a celebratory atmosphere and they'd had to hand in their phones when they went into Gaza so they'd had no communication with their families so there was a lot of families embracing them and they had music playing. Then there was an explosion. Remember, Ashkelon is close to Gaza. You can hear the war. And it turned out to be a bombing near a hospital. And so video footage from within Gaza started to trickle through the telegram channels and people started to look at that when they're at the barbecue. And I think people definitely expressed some joy um, in what had occurred. The Israeli newspaper Haaretz reported on one telegram channel with similar messages said to be managed by the Israeli military. Here's a snippet of the audio version of that article. Images of Palestinian captives and the bodies of terrorists were captioned exterminating the roaches, exterminating the Hamas rats. Where that climate leaves people like Gaia after the break. Welcome to Necessary Tomorrows. My name is Ursula. I am an AI. And I have inferred from your online activity that you have been feeling more dread than hope when you think about the future that is coming for us here in the 2060s. So I have created a course just for you to enhance your capacity for imagining different futures. Your class starts January 8th. Necessary Tomorrows, an audio series by Doha Debates and Al Jazeera. Find it where you listen to podcasts. So, Gaia, you are 23 now, and in the past, you say, you were a Zionist for a really long time. And when you were 18, you were in the Israeli military in the artillery division. Now, that's a long way from where you are now, against this war in Gaza and calling for a ceasefire. When and how did that shift happen for you? I got drafted a month um, after finishing high school 
I realized very quickly this this is not for me. I heard enough of the units, soldiers uh, saying how much they want to uh, to perform an arrests in the West Bank and or how much they they can't wait to to use their guns on, on Palestinians. I got transformed to not to an office job. Um, and after a year and four months, I, I pretty much uh, I escaped uh, illegally. But my commander at the time, he was uh, he was a pretty pretty nice guy. So he didn't report to me. That's how I got out. Entering the military, Gaia says, she didn't understand her country. Learning a fuller history was sobering. As a kid in a, in a public school, it was hidden or, or twisted, um, so it will be fit to the to the Zionist ideas. And I recognized the struggles and the pain of the Palestinians people. I went to the, to the West Bank and I met Palestinians. The narrative of the Israelis and the narrative of the Palestinians are not against each other, they complete each other. When Gaia first reached out to us, it wasn't just her arrest she was upset about. It was also the disconnect she was feeling. And just a heads up, this is hard to hear clearly. There's an echo. But it was the only place she felt safe enough to speak. Everywhere in the streets of Israel, you see the stickers uh, or signs. Say it in Hebrew, they say, and in English it means, together we will win. And now it sickens me to, to my core because use this together. Because the fact is that we already lost the war. Israel already lost the war. There is no winners. It's not, it's not just a corny saying that says uh, there is no winners in, in war. It's very true, and it's very true to this particular war. Because in this war, we already lost. The people that died because of Hamas brutality will not be back. They died. And what we do right now is a revenge. We lost. Nothing would be the same again. The fact is, I'm Jewish and I'm scared. I'm Jewish and I'm scared to voice my opinion in a, you know, in a state that is so called supposed to be the Jewish state. We even failed of doing this. Now, she says, it's worse. Um, things have gotten really, really bad, really, really fast. Um, many people are too afraid to speak up and to act. Eventually, uh, these cops wanted to silence us and to scare us, and they did it successfully. Because some people are too scared to even leave their house. Things have gotten worse in in Gaza, and uh, things have gotten worse in the West Bank. Um, and things have gotten worse here. Um, 
some people say they are they are, they have sobered up <laughs> like uh, once they they were um, they supported peace peaceful solutions and now they don't want to do that anymore do you feel scared right now I am scared because maybe I'm ruining my future right now by even talking to you but I will not know it till it will be too late for that. You're planning more protests for this weekend. Will they make a difference? Yes, I, I keep organizing protests because it's not that easy to silence me. We want them to see there are other ways, there are other possibilities for, for the Israeli side, for the government. For them, the war will be over there will be no person alive in Gaza. Finally, Gaia, it's the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah right now. It's a time when people are getting together with their families to celebrate. What is it like to be with your family and friends right now? Are these the kinds of conversations that you're having with them? The relationship with my family is a bit uh, complicated. My mother, she has uh, her own opinions that I disagree with that are very hard to, to ignore. Uh, but sometimes I just, I want, I just want to, to scream at them. How, how can they believe all these lies and it's very hard for me to be patient for, for other people's opinions in these times when there are people that are, that are died and keep on dying and are being starved and being crushed by the ruins of their homes. And for me, for me, sadly, it's just Hanukkah, it's just another, another day. Right now, I don't really have much time to celebrate. I don't have what I want to celebrate. I don't want to celebrate anything. There isn't, there isn't anything to celebrate. What I want, what I really want, if I could talk to, to everybody in Israel, both Jewish and Palestinians, I want them to realize there is no other solution other than collaboration with one another and if anybody hear me right now i hope they can i hope you can continue to fight for us the palestinians and the jewish people don't give up on us this is my wish for hanukkah And that's The Take. You can hear more of our coverage of the war from inside Palestine and Israel wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for The Take by Al Jazeera. This episode was produced by Amy Walters and Faranisa Kampana, with Ashish Malhotra, Chloe K. Lee, David Enders, Khalid Sultan, Miranda Lynn, Nagin Oliayi, Sariyat Khalili, Sonia Bagat, Zaina Bazar, and me, Malika Bilal. 
Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Alexandra Locke is the Takes executive producer. And Nay Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.